Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice... I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Space and Discipline. This talk was recorded in 2014. In this episode, we discuss how there is more to meditation than meditation. As the mind becomes pliable, there's more playfulness. How can we learn to join that with a sense of discipline? Today we are joined by Eric Spiegel. Eric has been a student and teacher in the Shambhala tradition since his teens. He was a resident acharya for the New York Shambhala Sangha for many years. His teachings are filled with warmth, humor, and precision. Here's Eric to take away the discussion. So there are different stages of practicing meditation and different ways that you can practice meditation. And so uh, most people, when you come to a place like this or you go to the village Zendo or you go to the Tibetan meditation center, you're just trying to uh, connect to some kind of tradition or teaching that will uh, give you some kind of either insight or stability I think stability is kind of a, just having a little piece of and space in your mind is a big initial factor. And when you start practicing, if you actually start doing it, um, then um, that's mostly what you're working on at the beginning is just sort of developing the mind that is constantly jumping all over the place, uh, going from uh, thinking about food to thinking about sex to thinking about work to thinking about phone calls and thinking about how long it's going to be, like the time, how long have we been sitting here, and uh, and um, <clears throat> am I comfortable, is it too hot, is it too cold? It's like just this constant movement of our mind. Um, I moved my mind out of my line of thought. <laughs> so just give me a moment. <laughs> so when we begin practicing meditation, that's a lot of what we're dealing with and a lot of what we're looking at. And a lot of when you're sitting there is just what's going on. And But if you actually do practice, if you actually start to engage, take a class, do something, take a workshop, develop some kind of regularity, short sessions, you know, 15 minutes or something, a few times a week, uh, come in here to... um, give that support or to another center. There are um, hundreds of choices in New York and its boroughs. So as you actually do that, something actually does happen that you do. It may not exactly be what you expected in terms of I want thinking that peace or uh, some kind of stability of mind 
may not exactly be what you thought it was going to be. So on some level, you may not, like the target moves in a certain way. You think you're going for that, but when you start to get towards that, that's not actually where you are. And what actually begins to happen is that you realize that there's more to meditation than meditation, that there's actually... um, Particularly if you are in a, you know, you can learn meditation in different ways. You can learn it just as mindfulness training, in which case it pretty much is like a fairly static body of um, teaching. But if you learn it in the context of any spiritual tradition, be it Buddhist or Shambhala or Hindu through a yoga center, you quickly discover that there's much more than just that we're going to get still, right? And the, particularly in the Buddhist tradition, the Buddha, the word Buddha means awake, so or the awakened one. And so awake is a very vibrant um, term, you know, it's actually not um, which which is different than still. Like Awerga, he was not just called the still one, but he's actually like throughout centuries and centuries, like the Buddha and people who followed his path are called awakened. So that's like light bulb on brightness. So what actually could we think about if we're thinking about um, meditation from a spiritual point of view. And the things that really came to mind are um, there's this sort of um, two cousins or siblings of the uh, of the path which are called emptiness and form. And the way I was actually thinking about it today or over the last few days was sense of freedom. So emptiness meaning like that you actually, when when you actually relax a little bit, when your mind settles down and you actually have more, um, the mind that actually stabilizes, the way it's described is uh, that it becomes um, supple or pliable, that it actually, like right now, a lot of times it's like someone says something that's slightly off to you and you like have this kind of sharp reaction like no, or I don't like that, or I don't want that, or get me out of here. So a pliable mind is a little bit different. That's like a brittle mind. And then a pliable mind is actually that you say, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. We'll see where it goes, you know, and we'll see how we can, what ways we can play with it or work with it, which is also different than kind of a, a dull mind, which maybe wouldn't have the same characteristics as brittleness, you would just sort of like let whatever it is wash over you. You'd just let, like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to kind of have, 
be in our discomfort today. So, <laughs> so that's not that's not awakened either. But the sense of playfulness, of flexibility, of that you can work with situations that maybe it's hot, but that rather than like thinking it's so hot. That you could actually just like experience the heat, right? Which is a real, really different thing than kind of like, oh my God, it's so or cold. Same thing. So when you actually start to have a sense of freedom, there's an enormous uh, playfulness that things that were um, that you wouldn't have accepted before like tastes or styles or kinds of music suddenly become oh well this is sort of interesting like people expressing themselves in this way or or a, a meal expressing itself or a chef expressing itself in this way or and so you could think of that both as the artist, the chef, but also the food itself that has all these different flavors, and maybe they're not the flavors that you grew up with, and maybe they're not like uh, <clears throat> like exactly what you would have made, you know, like oysters or um, uh, something spicy. that there's uh, appreciation and kind of delight about the expressive nature of the world. Sometimes we say phenomena, right? The like if everyone could just take one moment and look around, look at all the people sitting around you, and look at the different styles of expressive nature of phenomena, right? All of you had two... Each of you theoretically came from a sperm and an egg, right? And yet then completely different. So uh, so that's like this incredible richness. Okay, so then what are we going to do with that freedom? And as we know, or as we could figure out, freedom isn't freedom exactly. Freedom can be its own prison. So if you look at political situations where kind of structures fall, somehow that's not freedom. Like release from tyranny isn't the same as freedom. So release from the jumpiness and rigidness of our mind isn't just release from that isn't by nature freedom because you could just take a lot of Valium <laughs> and somehow it still wouldn't be awake <laughs> you might you know feel okay so but it wouldn't actually be free and it wouldn't actually be uh You wouldn't see, look at it and say, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to dedicate my life to, is like a never-ending prescription. 
So what needs to come along with that is some kind of discipline. And the way I'd like to really talk about it, the, so the middle stage of the path, in the Shambhala teachings, it's called the, state, the path of the lion. The path is described in these sort of stages that have these animal um, emblems. And so the grounding stage, the first stage is called the path of the tiger, which is really about coming down to earth, connecting, and the tiger is like the sense of walking, really connecting with your environment and connecting with your body and your being present. So is incredibly present, listening, tuned in, frivolous. But then, as that, this is just what I've been describing, as that starts to actually happen, that you actually become that or start to become that, then the sense of openness and relaxation in a good, you know, not in a flop sense, but in a and so that then becomes, is described as the path of the snow lion. The snow lion is a mythical highland animal, and so there's a sense of playing in the mountains and of like leaping and of uh, enjoying the fragrance of the air and having, because you're in the highlands, that you actually have a big vista. Buddhist terms, this is called, this relates to the stage, the path called. This is the stage where emptiness is looked at. And the practices that complement meditation practice are called the paramitas. Paramitas is a Sanskrit word, it means. Uh, literally, uh, the actions that go beyond, meaning that they're not common actions. And the paramitas are specifically that you and you practice discipline, meaning you actually practice having some kind of structure in your life. And the disciplines that you practice might be. There could be anything, really. So if you're a scholar or an artist, you already know some of this, you know, that you have, you have, you don't just kind of throw paint at a canvas. You, there's history and study that goes into how you put paint on a canvas or arrange objects in space or arrange bodies in motion or arrange uh, sounds in harmony. So discipline is having some kind of structure, and the particular structure here is that you live a, that you actually think about what kind of life you want to live, and then you build your life in that way. So that means um, having a sense of personal dignity. Generally, that's, these are the ways we, I think about it, is that you uh, care about what goes into your mouth, 
and you care about slander people kind of because it's really you get a really good response when you do <laughs> and yet somehow that currents in motion and they come back to you people stop liking you because they hear you say these things about them and then they say things about you so the disciplines are could be any number of things you know it could be just sort of how do you hold your body that do you like kind of <clears throat> act like you kind of are totally depressed uh, <clears throat> or you know do you sit up and do you look at do you look at people when you talk to them do you try to smile do you try to actually um <clears throat> reflect uh an attitude of openness even sometimes when you're not feeling it one of the disciplines is a sense of treating your body like it's a palace so that could mean a lot of different things to people it could mean doing yoga it could mean eating healthily and that could mean a lot of different things um <clears throat> so um just going through the the traditional paramitas there the main five are called generosity discipline patience patience so that's like a sense of forbearance a sense of willing to wait for th- willing to allow things to unfold that's actually really hard so it's not kind of like a matter like but actually letting allowing things to unfold naturally and then find the opening rather than just coming in with your own agenda all the time and like inserting that into a situation find the opening and then see if things can move in an organic way so patience is really powerful <clears throat> exertion it means actually continuing that once when you start to do something and it that you don't just give up that things don't actually necessarily show their result right away and that you actually continue you get up and you do things because you're committed to doing them raising a child being in a relationship takes exertion it takes real exertion as well as patience and many and generosity and discipline i'm not in a relationship anyway <laughs> i mean i'm in many relationships but not like one so uh <laughs> and um and the fifth one is called meditation which means uh that you actually sense of uh this pliability suppleness of mind and then there's one other thing which comes on top of all of these which which blends through them it's never really said it uh name is prajna which literally means knowledge but it means in this case it really means wisdom it means that you that it's not just like stupid gen- 
something and the next day they come back and they want more and you give them that just because you're trying to practice generosity but that each of these are blended with a sense of uh, what's actually going to be of benefit how am I actually going to fulfill a situation so it's these practices are the form that allows the emptiness, the freedom, to actually um, develop. You could think of that as like a, a sourdough starter, that it needs like a particular container, it needs a particular environment to grow in. So that f- sense of freedom needs an environment of uh, s- sort of a virtue of support in order to really uh, grow and a lot of you are starting out on the path of meditation maybe you're just dipping your toe in maybe you're have maybe you're kind of up to your knee already some of you (laughs) and um, and the question is like just to have some understanding of like well this is a journey and it unfolds in a particular way. It's very individual. Once this timing and the way you experience it is going to be completely individual. And yet, there are definite um, uh, guideposts along the way. And so I just thought I would kind of describe some of these tonight. And then I open it up to any kind of discussion you want. Uh, when you talk about generosity and not just giving people what they ask for, so how do you stop that from becoming this idea, well, I know it's good for you and I'm going to give you this. How do you, how do you keep up when you I think, can't just Right, exactly. People? I think sometimes you have to play, you have, you have to explore that. So, you like, in my lifetime of living in New York and dealing with the homeless. You know, I've gone through like a million different ideas about that I am going to give or I'm not going to give or I'm going to give this much, no, I'm going to give that much, no, I'm not going to give. And um, and I think sometimes you just... And then... And I think you sort of have to really... There's no rule. There's no rule. So... It's always open, and it's always open to multiple interpretations. So you have to work with what you feel, like how you you have to explore what generosity means, and how one. We talk about it, all of these things come under the uh, sort of rubric of compassion, generally, like that you are becoming a compassionate person, but. We talk about compassion uh, not as like just being nice. Being nice kind of doesn't really do very much in the world. So compassion is building things. Compassion is actually supporting something, creating something. So yeah, I think that is just a matter of... um, Discovery. 
the first part of the path is really simple because the instructions are given and even though they're not that easy to follow because like they're given as if you could move the things in your mind like in the same way you would move pieces of furniture and then when it's in your mind it's not that clear so but still the the instructions are fairly simple and the practices are fairly simple and you do them and and they do generally show results gradually the practice of the middle level of the path is much more murky much more complicated because every time you practice you're engaging in the world of confusion you're engaging in other people's perceptions and other people's desires and likes and dislikes and and so you may think you're offering something that is going to be really of benefit and they may just shove it back in your face so then what you soldier on you actually continue you try again you kind of wipe the cream off your face and try again Does discipline necessarily have a time element attached to it? For example, um, say you want to practice meditation every day. Do you feel like you need to do some things at a specific time? I think that's helpful for most people. Like if you're going to practice meditation to, and you say, well, I'm going to do it every day, then to have a time when you do it rather than that it just kind of is hope that that time opens up, which is less than likely. <laughs> so for me, people have different ryth- biorhythms, you could say, you know, and for me it's always first thing, very first thing in the morning, like, you know, I, I, um, <clears throat> basically I get up and go to the bathroom, wash my face, and go practice, and the further I get from that, the less likely that it's going to happen and the more likely that also the time is going to bump into something that I actually have to do or be at. So, um, you, you mentioned patience and about letting situations develop naturally and not inserting your own agenda. Um, when do you, how do you realize when the opening occurs? If you're if you're practicing patience and yes, well, it's not just we're not. This is none of this is just standing on its own. It's it's all within the context of that you're on a path of training of some kind. So, so if I think you should just try it and see and sometimes you know the opening doesn't really come or doesn't come in the way you would hope it would and other times it really does it really like you're just listening being present with people and their expressions and the needs and ideas and complaints and then suddenly there's like a way to open it up a little bit and that I think you, if you try it, um, one of the instructions, you know, um, I haven't said too much about Shambhala here, but the way we approach the 
journey is. We call it warriorship, that you're actually engaged in a journey of uh, becoming a warrior of gentleness. So there's a lot of strength in that. And one of the instructions is to hold, like a, like when you th- when you think it's like you've got the best idea in the room and now it's the time to shout it out the instruction is really hold like like just sit with your energy and um let and see what see what actually happens rather than that you just kind of take over the whole space which uh, you know cuz everyone thinks that they know the best, so Thank somehow you. that doesn't ever get anything solved, so <laughs> I'm a musician and I'm also from New Zealand. That's to do with what I'm gonna ask about um about meditation, also about discipline. Mm-hmm. Just that um I guess I've been meditating most days for a few years and I've been just I guess Could this you is speak a really a sorry. Yeah. yeah, this is a really practical thing. But yes. I guess I sit somewhere where I can't see that much stuff in front of me. Yes. But living in New York for me, it's kind of like a film. Like it's so there's just so many sounds, and it's a, quite a practical thing. But I was just reading something about listening to silence, and I thought actually I'm kind of perceiving sounds all Not, the time and yes. hearing my landlord speaking loudly to someone. You know, like I, it's something. It's like a movie kind of for me, and I realised that it's actually quite distracting. After a few years, it's not. I, I just perceive the sounds, and they pop in, and they make me go backwards a bit. You know, to where <laughs> I don't know. It kind of, kind of keeps jolting me, and I wondered if you had anything to say about. Well, sounds. we live in a particular time, right? So we none of most of us, maybe probably all of us, were not born in Tibet, and certainly in Tibet, in the time before 1959 when people actually actually the whole environment was structured around meditation and we live in almost the opposite time now time and place and so and yet we have these teachings and these teachings seem to be really valuable uh and need necessary on some level or some teachings or something is really necessary anyway and this is offered and um and so I think that it's important, first of all, that we don't cling to the ideal situation and also that then we make some time and attempt to actually do some practice in a better situation. So coming to the Shambhala Center. So one of the things we do, you know, when we're doing that sitting just even on Tuesday nights, is there's not we hold people outside if they're not in at the beginning we hold them out and then we let a group of them in after like eight or ten minutes and then eight or ten minutes rather than having like the door constantly opening and people constantly walking in so that we're actually kind of trying to create some kind of stability and support in the situ in the environment and uh, some. You know, but on the other hand, all those things, the the sounds are there, just like, you know, you changes in temperature or 
you might see things or you might think of things. And then, so there's the sound, it's just the sound. The sound is actually, some are less neutral than others, but many sounds are very neutral. Uh, but then there's your thought. That's my landlord again, complaining about the dinner or talking too loudly or whatever. So that that part is actually your mind. <laughs> and so just to be really... So if you can... If the sounds are fairly benign and you can just sit and be present with the sound, and then sometimes, you know, you hear something and it, you start thinking about... It sends you in a line of thought or ideas, and then you notice that and you say, oh, thinking, and you come back to being present. So I think it's just, you know, you have to kind of work with the situation you have. Yeah. Doing retreat, by which I really just mean kind of an, a weekend program or something that gives you a little more ability to develop into it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Do you have any advice about how to freshen your practice? I feel like I'm one of those people who's been practicing for a number of years now. And in the beginning, like anything new, it was a whole thing, and I was very engaged in it, and it wasn't rote yet. Um, so I feel like a lot of the kind of habits I've fallen into in my life, or really had in my life before I came to meditation, I'm kind of bringing to my meditation. So I'm wondering if you have any advice about if you reach that sort of Place in I, th I think what you should do is the Shambhala Center's Center offers meditation guides and instructors depending on where you are on your path and you could talk to Kevin who you met a few minutes ago and he will connect you with someone who can talk to you individually about where you are and what your practice is like and, and be really helpful. Right, right, you know That's part of what we do and there's no cost, it's just part of what we do. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. So I just want to thank everybody again and wish you a good evening. Visit us at ny.shambhala.org for information about classes and weekend retreats at the Shambhala Center. And join us every Tuesday night at our weekly Dharma gathering in New York. If you live in a different city, there's probably a Shambhala Meditation Center near you. Look us up. Podcast production by sunamgray.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>